Hey guys, and welcome to the Family Business Indaba podcast. We are the voice of African family business, promoting generational wealth and generational legacies. And my name is Susan Tendi. And I am Nika Amani. And we're going to be taking you through the journey of African family business. Hi, good morning, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to day one, session two of the African Family Business Conference, themed Osama. Um, this session, we're having a conversation on the Islamic perspective on financing and philanthropy. And we are joined by Ms. Rahimat Alimi, um, who is a deputy registrar and a faculty member of Nungu Business School. So I'll hand over to you, um, Ms. Rahimat, to give your presentation. Thank you very much, Nike. Good morning, everyone. I'm really happy to be here today. I'm very excited. And um, I know that a lot of you have probably heard of Islamic finance, but you know, a bit more on it, just to give us more of um, to, to what it is all out. Also, we look at how it actually help businesses. To be honest, it's usually a for a lot of companies, which they will tell us where So, at this morning, we'll um, understand what Islamic finance is, look at finance vis a vis the conventional, look at how finance will talk about some of the Islamic finance options and also how and Islamic finance be interrelated. Yes, Ms. Rahim, I can hear you. Hello, yeah. Um, we'd have to just ask you to just um, take down your video, it's um, disturbing your bandwidth, so we're not able to hear your audio at all. Yes. If you could please take down your video, you can just um, and just just use the audio. Um, the video is um, is muffling, and so we can't hear you. Yes. Hello. Can you yes, hear me? Yes, we can hear you now. Much it's better. So you can put up back your presentation, but then um, just bring down your video. Okay. How is it now? That's fine, thank you. Let me start over. Okay, so sorry about that um, little hitch. So we'll just continue from where we stopped. Our talking points this morning will be on what Islamic finance is. We'll also look at Islamic finance vis a vis the conventional finance. Which is what we are used to. We'll look at how Islamic finance works and the very first Islamic finance option to individuals. And I will have it all with Islamic finance. Uh, is, um, is, is, is a finance that is upon the Sharia, of course, the Sharia laws that, that um, Propounded economic religion 
whatever is going all aspects of life are actually based on those laws, including our transactions. Islamic finance covered banking, finance, insurance, and Sharia is aimed at giving order and stability in such what we have is establishment and encouragement of the good, such as honoring of honesty, mutual consent, contract practices in all transactions. While we try to avoid things such as interest, um, uncertainties, and illegal appropriation wealth. Islamic finance is equity-based. It is asset-backed. It is ethical, sustainable, and environmentally and, and socially responsible. It promotes sharing. And as such, of course, by, by the time everyone who is who is together in uh, financing a particular project shares the risk, you know, you, you feel more encouraged to, to achieve so much more. So, moving on to, to um, a bit more, I'd like to say everything is permissible except what is expressly This is in, in, in Islamic finance. As long as the uh, that um, it's considered to be in line with their so to an impermissible, permissible one of those. So the impermissible interest for you excessive can be percentages. Lost where have some form of it is out of luck effort as you put in that in return. Several people putting in similar cashing out. Transaction. Some commodities are illegal under the Islamic Sharia, and uh, not encouraged. We are not encouraged to uh, them. For instance, is is uh, in Islam transaction that involves alcohol, right from the right of to selling it is not will definitely not be support finance. There's, there are actually some similarities between Islam is what we are couples, and it's similar to what you have. Uh, for instance, deposits or investment schemes to customers, both of them also do not have um, fixed uh, term for either the savings account in conventional or profit sharing investment account as we have in Islamic finance. Also, investment, also, you know. Both parties for similar um, transactions. However, with the banking systems, all or, or finance, everything must be wrong in line with the area. Like we mentioned, a few there are those impermissible things that you to avoid. So, if those that have been avoided, that whatever we are dealing with is valid. The mode of operation of Islamic bank. Islamic finance is that finance um, being full, meaning that it's a known Islamic finance services. Or they could exist operation with conventional banks. And this is, you know, either in the form of subsidiary, or they could be on um, window or traction basis. So the two players, the 
it's not a conventional, a complementary, and actually work to achieve high market penetration and to achieve the full potential of the market. As we've looked at the charities, we also hello, Miss Rahima. Apologies, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Miss Rahima is having network issues. We'll just give it one more minute. If we can't rectify it, we'll have to look into potentially her recording this session and we share the recording with, with the mailing list. Just please hang in and bear with us for of value. Hello? Or, or, or based on the concept of time value of money, that is what you have on the conventional. However, under the Islamic convention, Islamic finance, money is not seen as a commodity or a good or service. And as such, is not believed to have an in inherent value of its own. Also, transactions are based on financial services, financial assets under the conventional, while they are um, based on real assets under the Islamic finance. Also, you have a situation where you look at the um, relationship between the bank and its customer. Under the conventional, the relationship between the bank and its customer is that of debtor and creditor. The debtor being the bank and the creditor being the customer. However, under Islamic finance, this relationship is dependent on the particular transaction or the particular um, deal the individual or the um, company or the um, family has with the bank. It could be a case of um, Liso and EC. It could be a case of uh, them being partners or it could be a case of them being um, not being a financier of the other. Another distinction is the provision of interest-free products and services. All, all Islamic um, finance products and services are geared towards avoiding the four cardinal um, uh, impermissibilities in finance. So is designed is avoid um, gambling to be. Um, bereft of anything that has to do with um, industries by the Sharia. Hi, good afternoon, everyone. I'm so sorry for these technical difficulties we're having, um, but perhaps we'll give it just a couple of minutes for Ms. Rima to join again. Um, and if we're not successful, then we'll look into her recording the session or resharing the recording with, with you all. A system where you have exchange of real goods and services. You have, um, for example, you have trade-based modes of financing. So yeah, there has to be something, a real asset that is going to be exchanged. And then financing is done through investing in profitable ventures. Islamic banking is founded on three foundations. The first being that um, the you have profit sharing as an alternative to interest. So rather than um, adopt interest or accommodate interest, what is accommodated is, or what is designed is what you, uh, a profit-sharing transaction. There's also a commitment to uh, morality and socially responsible investment. Like I said, the focus is not just on one of the parties, but on the general um, well-being of the society at large. So whether it's the individual or the family business or the state, you know, as whatever decision, whatever is being done must be to the benefit of the society at large. Also, you have a real value addition in trading activities. 
we said we're talking about real assets at every point in time so next um we'll be looking at some of the finance instruments that islamic financial institutions you know put in place you know have usually have in place there are there are a lot more than what i'll be talking about but um this few you know will at least give you an insight into what kind of options are available either to the individual or to the african family business the first i'll be looking at is called murabaha murabaha is a sale of a commodity by an institution to its customer such that the pricing um the purchasing price is known and the markup is also known so your um the institution tells you it actually starts with the family you know wishing to purchase something in particular perhaps a piece of machinery for their factory and then they approach the islamic financial institution to make this um, to help finance you know the purchase of this in fi islamic finance the bank will not give the family the money they're actually going to get that machinery and then sell it resell it to the customer so under the murabaha the financial institution buys the machinery at a certain price marks up you know adds something to it as its own profit and then sells to the customer the customer has full knowledge of everything of the cost price and the profit margin and then what happens is that the customer now repays the institution either on the spot or it could be deferred that is they pay over a period of time mm -hmm. so i'll just, just have a little pictorial here that can explain this uh, concept a little bit okay you have the individual or in this case the uh, ceo of the family business who applies to the bank for a desired item it could be a piece of machinery or something else and then the institution is um the it actually gets the uh, the item you know you know that um, the cost of it and then sells that item at a cost plus profit to his customer so like we said the payments could be on the spot or it could be deferred so this is a way in which a family business can actually acquire a particular asset that they desire and then are able to pay back over a period of time so next there's um the finance instrument another finance instrument known as mudaraba mudaraba is a sort of partnership in which you have one party or in this case the islamic financial institution financing the other party uh, probably this family has a lovely business idea they have sold it to the bank and the bank buys into it so what the bank does is that they finance that idea so the financier you know of course the bank is a financier and then you have the um is my muted from my system okay so you have the investor that is the bank and then the entrepreneur also known as the mudarib so what happens is that the um investor uh, puts in some form of capital the money that is required to run this particular project and while the entrepreneur puts in his expertise management and expertise so as, as time goes on whatever profit is earned is shared by both parties at a 
predetermined rate. Both of them would have agreed that these profits will be shared in a particular proportion. So they share based on that. However, if there's a loss, the financier bears the entire loss. Of course, the exception to this is when it is um, clear that it was the entrepreneur who made um, a, a drastic mistake that caused the loss. Then you can penalize him for that. But ordinarily, the loss is borne solely by the financier or the investor, or in this case, the Islamic financial institution. So yet again, another, another form of um, financing by the Islamic financial institution is Musharaka. Musharaka refers to partnership. And in this case, you have two or more parties coming together to combine their assets, labor or liabilities for the purpose of making uh, profits. So in this kind of, um, in this kind of um, situation, you have the, the family or the individual, you know, going into a partnership with the bank, you know, like the Mudaraba, where the bank is the sole financier. In this case, you have two or more parties pulling together their resources. So there are different types of musharaka. You have the um, the modern day um, trans, uh, partnerships like um, stock companies, joint liability companies, company limited by shares, and all that. Another option of musharaka is uh, that is quite popular within the finance industry is called the diminishing musharaka. This is a partnership where you have two parties coming together to own a particular asset. And then as time goes on, one of them, uh, one party that is um, the family business in this case, or the individual keeps buying out the share of the other party until the entire asset belongs to him at the end of the day. So this is a, it's, it's adopted, you know, when one wishes to acquire machinery or even to other forms of assets. So you partner with the bank to buy that thing. And then as time goes on, you keep paying them, paying the bank off until the asset belongs to you completely. So I have um, um, a little pictorial here. You have the individual who wishes to buy an asset. In this case, we're looking at a house. And then he approaches the bank, you know, for a partnership, they come to an agreement and both parties pull the funds required to purchase this house. So for this particular example, I'm going to say that, okay, let's assume that this house costs $100,000. That's just a, a number off the top of my head. So what happens is that um, in this particular case, an uh, individual has just $20,000 and the bank has agreed to finance the purchase with $80,000. So that's it. In the first year, the bank owns 80% while the individual owns 20%. So as time goes on, he at an agreed rate, he pays off a chunk such that by the second year, this is just an example, um, by the second year, he has increased his ownership to 40% while the bank's own has reduced to 60. By year three, he pays another lump sum and um, his ownership is now 60 to the bank's 40. By year four, um, his own is now 80% um, to the bank's 20%. And then finally, by the fifth year, the entire the house belongs solely to the individual. Um, yet another financial instrument, finance instrument in Islamic finance is the Salam contract. Salam is a sale contract where you have one party offering to 
a buy off products off and buy he wants to buy products off another party such that um, the other party supplies after a set period of time at a future date and then um they're paying against the he's going to pay on the spot but delivery is going to be at a later date so this is usually used in uh, for use of, uh, for um fungible goods these are things that you know you can replace one with the other there's really no difference you're not looking at um a particular item maybe a particular car a particular house we're looking in terms of things that can be replaced for instance you look at, looking at grains if you ask a farmer to produce um 10 tons of grain of maize whether he gets it from his own uh, farm or he gets it from his friend's farm or another partner's farm or you have a family business where each person has their own farm land and then they pool their resources together you really cannot tell the difference between you know the, that, that particular product so this particular form of financing is usually used for Greek financing and the beautiful thing about salam is that um you know i only spoke about one side of it that's when you have the institution for instance paying um farmer a to supply 100 tons of maize but when you look at it let me just use this um pictorial to explain it you have the institution approaching the farmer and then you're paying him ahead okay F uh, maize grows within say three months so they pay now to receive the maize in july of 2021 all things being equal so at an agreed date so now the bank or the institution actually obviously does not have any use for maize so what they can do is look for another party who requires the maize. This is where the concept of parallel salam comes in, where you have one contract between two parties and then the other contract between one of the parties in the previous one and somebody else. So in this case, um, the bank approaches this industry, perhaps a, a, a company that produces conflicts. And then at the agreed period, when after the farmer has supplied the maize, they sell the maize to that a conflict producing company and get their money back of course there's going to be a difference in the cost so that's the bank makes its own profit but at the same time the bank has gone ahead to finance the farmer who probably did not have the resources to set up his farming or uh, to do his planting at that particular point in time so um ijara is another finance instrument it's similar to what we have what we call lease the regular lease where you have uh, somebody, um, the owner, some uh, the bank gets a particular asset, gives it to its customer on lease. Of course, there are two types of lease. There's the operating lease and the financing lease. In terms of the operating lease, um, at the end of the lease period, ownership of the bank. But financing lease, it is the um, customer requires a particular asset, but he needs it probably after a period of time. So what happens is that they have an agreement where he leases for some time and then at the end of the day they have another um, agreement in which the owner to the contract as well you have approaching the islamic financial institution for a particular asset that he requires so the bank and takes possession of it ahead transfer the use the usufruct of that asset to the customer and the customer pays rentals so at the over of course at the the, 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 all this happens within an agreed period and at an agreed price. So as in the lease, if the ownership moves to the customer, it's a, it has other names as well. So 
I'll look at um, the sale of a Stisna, contract of a Stisna, that's another form of um, financing. In this particular case, you have um, a particular, uh, the client requires or requests that something in particular, the thing is, does not exist at the moment, or he requires that it is made, manufactured, or constructed, or even assembled at an agreed price. So at the end of um, the day, it's either an immediate payment basis or, or um, over a period of time. So over here, the purchase order, rather as the customer, family business, in the IFI position, wishes to, that wishes to acquire a house. They uh, make that, and then the of course, is not a construction company. It's a construction in a second contract. And if that, you know, initial contract to construction now delivers the house to the bank and the bank the cost, then the bank delivers to the purchase orderer, that's the customer, and the customer pays back over a period of time. So that's, um, in essence, what a, an istisna and parallel istisna are. Of course, the first contract or the second contract could individually be known as istisna contracts. Well, because one of them, you know, hands over to the other, they are not dependent on each other. They're actually um, quite independent because, um, the, for instance, the bank cannot tell its customer that, uh, oh, because of the delay with the contract, you know, that you cannot deliver the agreed time. No, that does not work. Each contract is independent. So another, I think I should just um, another finance uh, instrument is Tawaruk. It's also known as um, it's also known as um, it's also used for personal fi uh, financing and for credit cards. In this particular case, you have a combination of two separate standalone sale and purchase contracts. So we have the customer and the bank. In a particular transaction with the uh, customer him raise his funds actually does is that the bank goes that chase a particular item probably a commodity or commodity from a particular broker you know they have this agreement that the bank will do this thing and then of course he gets his money back and the bank also makes something out of it so once the bank purchases the commodities from the first broker they now sell the commodity to the customer at a market you know like we said with murabaha you know buy the commodity and sell to the customer at a market. But the, what happens in this case is that the customer appoints the bank as its agent to do the sales, because, you know, to sell this particular thing at, um, at an, of course, at, the, at that marked up price on his behalf. So the customer appoints the bank as its agent and the bank sells to another broker on a spot payment basis. As the, broker, the other broker pays on the spot. And then, of course, as it pays on the spot, the bank credits the customer's account with the proceeds of the sale left over. There's going to be some form of uh, margin, and that belongs solely to the customer. So that's a, another way of raising funds for fi um, personal financing and also for credit cards. There's also in this case, you have certificates of ownership, uh, uh, are known as certificates of ownership. They show that um, that you own is open to, of course, through a particular a specific company that 
is equipped to do that, to invest in it. So you have a group of investors putting in their own funds to make up the money required to company purchases the aircraft with the money raised from investors. As time goes on, as that aircraft you know serves its purpose, return to um hello to the investors and then in turn at the end of the hello. Sorry, the, the the network is bad. We can't hear you once again. Yes, I can hear you. Hello. We can't hear you well. At all. At all. Let me let me change um providers and hope for the best. I'm really so sorry. Wow. And just mindful of time. Um, Mercy's contribution. When is that starting? Because we only have thirteen minutes. Let me change Yes, it, it is better. Okay, okay. I just choose a provider. I'm sorry about that. Okay. So, so in a nutshell, all these um, separate, different finance instruments can be used in different ways, or to um, do, to attain the, uh, different types of um, different types of um, uh, um, intentions. Several things that the business wishes to do. You can actually walk up to the bank and find several types of um, transactions that suits your particular purpose. So, Islamic finance and the conventional, um, like I said, they they actually can exist together. You know, support each other with the conventional using its own um, might or its own uh, large balance sheets, its excessive structuring to support the Islamic finance. And while the Islamic finance, this part of Islamic finance, you have the expertise that is required to um, carry out these ethical contracts that we have spoken about. So Ukama and Islamic finance, the ethic of Ukama implies an ethical concern for the well-being of future generations because of the superiority it gives kinship and relatedness and the immortality of values. While Islamic finance is rooted in laws that compel preservation of life, wealth, progeny, faith, and intellect. The appeal of Islamic finance is uh, if we look at inclusivity, meaning that um, um, Islamic finance has the potential to contribute higher and to, um, for more inclusive economic growth. Risk sharing features are very attractive. It's well suited for small uh, family businesses or and even for startup financing. They also it also offers a form, um, some form of stability because in principle the potential to promote financial stability is there because of its risk-bearing um, culture. So I'd like to take a pause here. Thank you very much for your attention. Um, we've been able to pick a lot of uh, very interesting things. I'd like to step back now so that um, Mercy can take over. Thank you. Thank you. Over to you, Mercy. Okay. Good morning, everyone. Good morning from Nigeria, yeah, everyone. So I must apologize that I had a bit of a technology, uh, technology issue this morning, and um, I'm just going to have to continue. I'm trying to share. Let me. I'm trying to share my screen. Hopefully that works, and um, we'll be able to. You'll be able to follow my conversation. So the conversation I'm having today is talking about philanthropy, but um, looking at it from the Islamic um, perspective. Um, as we all know, when you talk about um, philanthropy, basically, um, it's an incredibly personal journey. I mean, the reasons 
the rationale behind why you giving back the, the rationale behind why you're giving back is deeply personal is rooted in is rooted in your life experience more often than not be rooted in life experiences and um and what we want to and the legacies that we feel or the good that we want to or the good that we want to project to the world um i'm not i'm sharing my screen now but i'm not sure the I'm not sure it's I not sure it's um picking no, my presentation. It's the second icon from the left. Yes, yes, second icon. I've I've I'm I've um I've pressed the second icon from the left. It's still loading on my end. Okay, but basically what I would do is um the presentation is gonna be available. So while we so I'll just continue with the conversation. So philanthropy, like I had earlier said, I mean, is a personal journey. The impact is greater when um, you are giving to causes or you're giving to situations that have significance or relevance in your life. When you want to, on a broader perspective, um, you might decide if you're very well endowed to give money. Um, in other times, you might want to give, you might want to give your time. Um, you might also want to support other people that are already given, um, and that's just with your funds, um, you might want to, it might be within your local community or you can actually give um, cross-border um, internationally. Um, some, some individuals or um, entities might want to set it up as a formal structure or you look at it as, um, or you uh, undertake it informally. Uh, but the whole essence is you you want to give back, and there's a way and the how. And we kind of advise that um, it's better when giving back or philanthropy is is is, um, is structured, where you've already set out your objectives, where you've developed the strategy around why you're giving, who you're giving to, and um, in what manner that that, that you want to give, um, and also giving efficiently. Um, are there benefits? Uh, for example, you also have some tax benefits when you want to give. Then you also have, um, then you have to determine the causes that you really want to support. So there is science, or there is a way, a modality around it. And um, it's always advised that um, in giving, you actually um, um, formalize it to a large extent if it's actually possible for that to happen. Um, coming down to um, Islamic philanthropy um the prophet made um um has I mean, stated that when a man dies so if you go through the quran you say when a man dies his act come to an end except three things there are only three things that survives a man when he's no longer on the face of the earth and that is recurring charity knowledge by which um the person has already given knowledge out to the world um, by which people benefit. It's like having a fountain of knowledge. You've written a book, you have your works that are published, you've, you have impacted knowledge in people. That does live after you. As long as people continue to benefit from that fountain of knowledge that, you have, um, that you've endowed or you've left behind, a pious offspring, a pious son who continuously pray for you. So you find out that charity is also, is, it's um is at the is of very huge significance when you're looking at um persons from the Islamic or the Muslim faithfuls. So where you do have um businesses that are owned by by Muslim faithfuls or adherents of the of the Islamic religion, you find out that 
um, charity is at the core of how they go about their activities or how the activities of the business for the benefit of the larger society should be undertaken. And um, this discourse is just to kind of bring to the fore the fact that um, when we are talking philanthropy, most times the, it's, it is it comes with a specific mindset and that's really like um, when you're saying oh uh, a foundation most of us are used to the biggest foundations most of us are used to the Ford foundation we are used to a lot of this um european and um, american um, um discussions when it comes to philanthropy but there is an alternate and that's rooted in the Islamic religion, and that's really um, what we want to talk about, which also connects to um, the social well-being and the social welfare of people. In simple terms, um, philanthropy kind of just refers to your um, acts that you do for the benefit of mankind. You give your time, you give your money, you give your resources, you give it voluntarily, holds Islam, holds um, philanthropy as one of the key pillars, and that is the sharing of wealth with the less fortunate. So when you look at the Quran, it treats philanthropy as a religious obligation, um, a religious morality, and a means towards achieving social justice. Um, philanthropy, with respect to the Quran, is necessary for the purifications of one's acts and um, is a sign of piety and evidence of faith and it is a right of the poor. So the poor, a poor person um, can call on you that is wealthy um, um, and, and is a person of means to give, because if you are of the Islamic faith, it is an injunction on you to give. It's one of the basic um, um, tenets of, of the Islamic um, religion. We need to know that Islam has a very different perspective on wealth. So for most of us, um, we we understand wealth as, okay, being what we've acquired on earth. But when you look at it from the Islamic perspective, your wealth, if you are endowed, if you are blessed to be wealthy, you are holy. So really, it is not, it is not um, yours for you to do so, so to speak as you will. It is ownership lies with Allah, ownership lies with, with the Almighty God. And it is for you to use it for the benefit of the people. So it's a, it's a different concept um, that you have when you are um, a person of the Islamic faith, that the wealth that you possess is actually not yours. You're just a trustee or a guardian for the benefit of, of other people. So um, basically, Charity is deemed as a vicious, as a vicious deed, and um, it's in in the maker. Amazingly, you also find out that if you do not have funds, if you are not very well endowed, I mean, just the act of smiling, the act of smiling, the act of being um, one is also deemed within the religion to be. Um, um, an act of charity. Now you have two types. You could you have the compulsory um, charitable giving under the um, Islamic principles. You also have the um, voluntary. When you talk about the compulsory, that's where you're talking about the zakat. Now, for most Muslim faithful, you would know that that's um, at the end of of a year of a period, you have to 
um, take an account of all the works that you have and give a certain percentage back to the society for the good and the welfare of the poor and those that are less privileged in the society. Now that's obligatory, that's compulsory. Other types of, of other models of giving back of philanthropy charity, you have the sadaka, you have the work, um, a work, you have the infact, you have the takaful and you have the wasia. So these are all instruments that you could use to actually distribute wealth um, and also uh, instruments that you use to undertake your charitable um, givings. For the zakat, we see it's it, it is an obligatory um, is is an obligatory act and it is demanded. Um, and the beneficiaries, like I said, are the poor in the land. The Quran does not specify a prescribed percentage, but customarily you have about 2.5% of your capital and other assets, uh, about 20% on other assets that um, should be given away. The, the practice of zakat is actually, was actually, is actually instituted by the prophet himself and um, is structured for the social support network is structured to be a support network for those that are, um, are are destitute those that are less privileged in the society so that's the compulsory one for the um, voluntary one we have the sadaka um that's um, giving um that it's it's it is an act of giving out of your compassion and out of the generosity of your heart um, and it's done to benefit others so examples of it could be i mean it's it doesn't really necessarily have to be money or funds it could it could just be acts that you do for example um the act of picking up a stone from the from from a road because it's going to be harmful to other passers-by is an act is a philanthropic act is an act of sadaka um if you go ahead and you distribute um educational materials um and the beneficiaries do not need to be um, Muslims. They don't have to be of the same faith um, as you. You have the wakaf uh, or the wak, and that's a permanent dedication. That is almost aligned to what you have with setting up a trust in the in the um, um, in the in the secular world, which is um, um, you you bequeath or you bestow an asset to someone. And um, I mean, you give it to the trustees, and it's for the beneficiaries. It's and it's to be used for the benefit of those that you've listed um, as the beneficiaries. Now, when you settle that asset, you are not expected to come back and claim back that asset. So the Islamic, um, um, so the Islamic model for that is what you call the akwaf or the waqf, and uh, it is deeply rooted in the. Islamic traditions of old. It is it is most of the acts that the prophet did in his time, as well as those that followed him subsequently. They were acts that assets were bestowed or assets were bequeathed, and they were permanent, used for the benefit of the society. So that's one model. Um, now, currently, or in this time. Um, you have a lot of activities going on within the um, within different jurisdictions as regards using work work to um, to undertake charitable to undertake.
Hi everyone, thank you so much for joining us for this session. Although we had some audio issues, we are going to have to get Mercy to then record her session and then resend it. Um, we would like to thank everyone who joined us for this session and look forward for you joining us the afternoon session, which is going to be at four o'clock this afternoon, CAT. Looking forward to, to have you joining us then.